Hey everybody, this is Alex Merced, and you're listening to another episode of whatever podcast of mine you're listening to, um, or on YouTube, or wherever, alexmerced.com is the website. And you know, I know I'm doing these episodes a little bit more sporadically as things kind of come up, and I generally don't try not to say much when something just happens, because it's useful to have as much information as possible going, or time to reflect, um, to give Something that's going to be substantive. And that's why I'm only talking about the whole George Floyd situation up until now. Um, but if you're not familiar with it, basically, uh, a man by the name of George Floyd died um, while being put under arrest when a cop put a knee on his neck uh, for, it was like 20 minutes or something like that. And, uh, well, he died of asphyxia, which, you know, it's kind of logical. If you put a knee on someone's neck, it could kill them. Um, and you know, it's just another, another one in like, uh, a strain of very tragic deaths over the years, particularly of, um, generally, uh, black men, um, at the hands of, of cops. And there's been black women as well, but the, but you know, a common thread in a lot of these situations, uh, has in race. And again, it doesn't necessarily, there's all there's a this always becomes sort of a loaded conversation and um so that's one that just takes some time to kind of parse it step by step okay because there's you know we hear terms like systemic racism institutional racism racism what do these words mean because everyone gets really angry when you when you invoke the racism discussion um because people oftentimes are if basically you kind of fall into one of two reactions uh, one that they've had experiences that that they wish other people understood better, so get they get upset that people can't empathize with those experiences, or two, um, feel that the discussion in itself is an accusation, okay, um, and basically just immediately feel like they have to be on the defensive when a discussion is just a discussion, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, also I think the definition of racism is, is sort of one of the things that kind of gets lost in the conversation in the sense that some people, when they hear the word racism, immediately think that it's defined as hate. Um, so, you know, when they say you said something racist or whatnot, they're thinking you're saying that they're hateful, that, that, uh, they hate others. Okay. It's, and other times racism is just a matter of people use it as a term, just referring to sort of any discussion where, Basically, the way that people behave, the way that people see others can be sort of tinted within the uh, the guise of race in the sense that you may not hate other people, but you may treat people differently, even if it's subtle, because of race. And that's racism and you are racist doesn't mean you're a hateful person, but it may mean your behavior is colored by race. That's another way people use it. Uh, some people try to use... And then, and then there's, like, there's some sort of weirder definitions like the the definition of sort of power so this is when you hear people say there's no such thing as reverse racism because it's they're they're, they're talking about it sort of as a juxtaposition of power in the sense that um you have dominant classes and you have not dominant classes in a sense and again what makes puts you in a dominant class or not dominant class can come across several vectors okay it's not just race it's not just gender and there's all sorts of things there's all sorts of parts of our identity that grant us privileges which means hey we might get some sort of benefit from being that thing 
And there's other ones that give us challenges. And, you know, there are challenges in our life because we are that thing. And um, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging that. Okay, because that's just reality. Um, Privileges and challenges exist. And different aspects of who we are present us with different challenges and present us with different privileges. Um, You know, it's it's never necessarily... You're never going to live in a life absent of challenges or privileges. But it is an issue when the challenges are life or death. Um, You know, when, when there's... When the disparities can, you know, mean, you know vastly different outcomes um so that's kind of like the discussion so again when you hear people talk about like again that definition of power it's more like okay well yeah you know you might have you know like if a poor person makes fun of a rich person yeah that's not nice but they don't necessarily have as much power over a rich person as a poor as a rich person has over a poor person so one person's dislike of the other one can have a lot more um, pernicious an outcome. So that's sort of the, that's kind of what they're getting at, that like when the powerful have issues with other people outside of their group, there's a, a different level of consequence. And that's uh, essentially kind of what the, 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 the conversation is kind of getting at. And then there's like the institutional aspect of the, of the conversation, which is talking about like to what extent that these sort of uh, the any of these situations are exasperated by the way institutions are set up, culture set up in society, in the sense that you know, um, you know, and the problem is another thing is I think a lot of people not only get defensive when they have these conversations because they think that just by having the conversation they're being accused of something, or people think that hey, acknowledging that a conversation needs to be had has. Uh, means that they have to acknowledge that something has to be taken from them or that they have to give up something, which is not necessarily the case. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a libertarian. I don't, I generally don't want government involvement in anything. Um, but I do acknowledge that there's a conversation that needs to be had about our differences and about how sometimes arbitrary things like race, gender, sexuality, etc., while they are really just arbitrary things, they have non-arbitrary effects on our lives. Um, and acknowledging that does not mean you have to uh, advocate that, you know, government confiscating anyone's property or controlling anybody's life or whatnot. It's a conversation that needs to be had. So that way, as we decide how institutions evolve, form, fall apart, change, um, you know, that gets part of the conversation. So that way, these sort of gaps, these sort of issues and trends move in a different direction. And, and, you know, to some extent, there are improvements, but it doesn't necessarily mean uh, there isn't long ways to go. I mean, you know, you can sit there and go back, I mean, even 10, 20 years ago, and take a look at just sort of uh, race relations and not just, and also the portrayal of race relations. And and the media does play a big role um, because we do make a lot of assumptions based on the visuals we grew up with as far as you know, who are the bad guys, who are the good guys, what role, you know, what jobs, what professions sort of fall into what roles, okay? And if you don't believe me, you know, um, think of a doctor and imagine the first person that comes to your head and ask yourself, what's their gender? What's what's the skill, color of their skin? Does that necessarily mean you're a bad person? I mean, some image had to come to your head, 
But there's a reason why the image that did come to your head first came first. Okay, it's just certain associations that you've made throughout life, which are not necessarily your fault, um, but it happens and it tinges how we treat people. Where, when do we assume people? Because oftentimes when we see people in roles, um, you know, when you think of a rapper, you know, what's the first person you think of? Okay. And again, you can see it both ways in the sense that when people saw like uh, white rappers like um, Eminem or um, Mac Miller or whatnot, they were not probably oftentimes on first appearance were not taken seriously because they're not what people imagine in those roles. Okay. And while that might be sort of a benign, you know, kind of almost funny situation when we start talking about like like lawyers doctors that can have a much more detrimental economic impact when people don't take you seriously in those roles because of the presuppositions that they have um so again it's not that anyone hates anyone or anyone actively consciously uh you know there, there are people who do um the racial discussion and the gender discussion, the sexuality discussion, the gender identity discussion is about just sort of there's these grander sort of um, ways in which we are these cer- certain sort of things that are programmed into us at a young age because of the things we see around us. It doesn't necessarily mean, again, that we have to go sit there and the government needs to go around and like retransform all television and whatnot, but we should have a conversation of what do we want the next generation to be like and create culture that facilitates that create culture that does have more diverse representation um not because we're you know we're trying to fill some sort of quota but we want to make sure that everybody has an image that anybody can be anything uh that does matter so that when someone imagines a doctor or lawyer or any profession you know uh it's much harder to have that sort of initial image and it's you know and again when you watch like the mickey mouse club back from like the 50s where they used to actually have like a section of the show which was like his job and her job where it'd be like for him there's the pilot and for her it's the stewardess we're we're (laughs) a long way from that but um you know and then that but the thing is that one of the, the worst assumptions one of the worst uh you know things that people can associate with you is danger because when, you know, one thing one thing is to, for people not to take you seriously or to underestimate you um, or to not respect you. Another thing is for people to think you're dangerous. And um, this, is a, this is generally what makes, um, you know, the issue with sort of prejudices among particularly black men uh, probably the most pernicious. Because there, there sort of is a sort of uh, assumption that people make uh, uh, safety-wise, um, which is unfair. It's just unfair and not not cool okay um and i think you know there are more portrayals that i mean i think blackish is a great 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 show that kind of shows you a really diverse um cast and and gives diverse representation and and does it in a way that really challenges you um you know to think more to think more critically about these things but I mean that's 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 you know and that's unfair because you may be just someone just trying to live your life, but people, some people might assume just because uh, who you are assume, impute a level of danger because you know they grew up with lots of imagery, lots of um, cultural sort of themes that, that 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 brought into that, and that makes them more likely to be more aggressive in the way they treat you, and more aggressive in the way they enforce rules on you. Um, because this sort of image in their head of what they associate 
um, leads them to be less forgiving. Okay, and then that's sort of one of the most pernicious pernicious aspects of, of racism that can happen to you. Again, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of different prejudices to have, but to assume that someone um, to, to sit there and have that particular prejudice is dangerous in his life and death. And that's as we've seen with uh, across the board. Okay. And particularly like Trayvon Martin, where basically, you know, it all kind of happened out of, out of fear, particularly. And so it's not just, you know, the fact that people are prejudiced, everyone is prejudiced, you know, everyone has some levels of prejudices. That's just kind of inevitable. We all make assumptions, um, but some assumptions are more dangerous. And then when you couple that with sort of a lot of the economic discord of the period of time with the COVID, and so people have more free time, they are struggling, um, you know, you do create the conditions where you have the sort of civil unrest that we're seeing across the country now. But at the same time, you know, you, you have a mix of different things that are going on. You have some of the, the, the unrest, you have people who are protesters who just really want to go out there and, and speak to serious issues uh, that they want to speak to. You have other people who... Um, want to take advantage of that environment um, to break stuff. You have other people who are somewhere in the middle where they came out there to talk about something they cared about but are just so angry about the situation or so upset that it turns into violence because that's what, that's, what, that's what anger and hate does. That's why we have to be better people. We have to not only learn to be better to each other but be more willing to forgive each other when we, when we fall short. And it's it's when we are more open to being better and willing to be better and trying to be better that we'll see the anger, the hate, the resentment start to fade. Which again won't necessarily eliminate prejudices, but it won't make it life. It'll reduce the amount of times that it's life and death. Um, so we have to kind of reach out to each other and not to shame each other, not to make each other feel, not to make each other feel guilty, but to just to tell each other we need to be better. We need to try to be better uh, at every day with everyone, okay? And and always be self self assessing. You know, why do I have the reactions I have? Why do I why do I respond the way or do I do the certain things? To sit there and see what times um, you may be being unfair, because again, every everyone has their prejudices. Um, there's nothing wrong. There's well, there's nothing unnatural with having some level of prejudices in certain situations. The question is how how aware you are of your own prejudices so that way you can assess and evaluate. Because again, you know, there's everyone no one's perfect. But understanding who you are, understanding the way you think can help you compensate for where you could use work and take advantage of where you're strong. This is why sort of self exploration and self learning and really getting to know yourself really really is a value. Um but uh, yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, to me, it's about being better people. But as far as like the situation today, and on top of it, you have like groups like Antifa who, you know, a lot of these people who just have sort of this rabid sort of hate uh, for the idea of private property and capitalism and all that stuff. They try to subvert all, they try to lump all sort of class conflict into an economic conflict to sit there and say, okay, well, you know, all divisions regarding race really comes down to capitalism versus socialism. All breakdowns of gender becomes capitalism versus socialism. So that way they can turn all these really deeper social conversations that exist. I mean, you, you will, in history, you take a look at 
capitalist countries, communist countries, every country, there are these divisions along race, gender, etc., sexuality, and sometimes they're even worse in some of these other countries. It's not purely a economic thing, or really not much at all. I mean, to the extent that it is economic, it, that's a, maybe a result of the cultural struggle, of the cultural inequities create uh, economic realities. And, uh, and then the also... Uh, well, that's 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 thing. You know, if people dislike each other, like, that reduces opportunities, and this can create economic realities. But isn't the economic reality that is creating the division? Um, you know, it's the it's individual choices that we make that create the reality. Um, so, it's not about the economic system. There's no economic system that is absent of, of racism or sexism or these things. These are these are things that happen across societies. We can see them throughout history around the world and all sorts of different economic systems uh that isn't um but there's people who are trying to co-opt the conversation to make it their conversation about economic systems about capitalism versus socialism when it's really just about a discussion about sort of what's going on in our heads and what can how did we think how did we get to the point that we think the way we think end up acting the way that we do good and bad and how do we want the next generation growing up in that? What images, what, what better images can we create? What better environments can we create for those who are growing up the next generation? So that way, these conversations are, one, they're better able to have these conversations. And two, um, it's less necessary for them to have, the, for the conversations to be as quite as dire as they are now. Um, none of this requires, again, none of this doesn't, mean you're a libertarian so like you know because i see a lot of times libertarians get defensive about this because they feel like there's just like this just in the same way that a lot of people just get defensive when the discussion of racism sexism uh any of these things kind of come up because they feel like there's there's an obligation being put put on them by just acknowledging the discussion either like saying okay you you're obligated to feel guilty or you are obligated to condone government action this is this is not uh, not necessarily the case. You can have rich, diverse cultural conversations about complex, nuanced issues that are more complex than just love or hate. Because it's also the context that, you know, hate goes both ways. When people get angry and hateful, and, you know, when people say they hate hate, I mean, even you, that can also just perpetuate the cycle because at the end of the day, hate, actual real deal hate comes out of anger. And the more, and the thing is that we don't need to escalate these issues we need to de-escalate the issues to de-escalate these things to have a conversation so that way it doesn't get violent so that way the anger the resentment doesn't build up um and that's what's important um you know the vi- the violence you're seeing now is the result partly uh, again a variety of different things but partly due to anger that's been built up and no that there has been no de-escalation for a long time in a substantive way when you add in people being locked into their apartments and being short on money and short on food, you know, uh, <laughs> that creates a fever pitch. Um, you know, so it's, 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 it's an unfortunate situation, but hopefully a situation that does create a rich conversation that we can grow from. Um, hopefully it does inspire some to choose to go the route of being a better person and, and trying to inspire others to be better people. Um, and that though these are my thoughts again the, there are all sorts of issues regarding the justice system as well like qualified immunity i mean over the years you've heard me talk about like things like judicial immunity um where you know people who are part of the the, the justice system they get a pass um i want to say like every time but they have they have a higher 
pull they have to jump over to get in trouble. Now, again, the reason why these things are put in place is, is originally just to, you know, give you both sides is one, you know, if, you know, it's like being a in doctors, doctors have this issue where basically they are liable for everything that they do. So they get malpractice insurance. Okay. Um, but they get paid a lot. So they can, I mean, not necessarily that they can just afford, you know, malpractice insurance. It does end up pushing up prices, but they're better able to afford that malpractice insurance to deal with that liability. Well, someone who's like a cop, um, someone who's a judge does not get paid as much as a, as a doctor. So they don't necessarily have the resources to pay for the kind of liability insurance that a doctor would need to, to, to engage in that particular profession. Um, with the, 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 the liabilities that they have. So they kind of give them this sort of, well, we're not going to pay you more. So instead of liability insurance, we're just going to give you a get out of jail free card and say, hey, if you do something stupid enough, but not too, too, too stupid, but pretty stupid, you can get away with it because of, you know, sort of your role. This is what it's like. It's not, you know, you'll hear like judicial immunity, qualified immunity. There's different, there's different types prosecutorial immunity but the idea is that you know your profession in government puts exposes you because you're you are now in a situation where you're more likely to generate the liability you're if you're a cop you're gonna more likely kill someone than if you're not a cop because you're on the street all the time um dealing with people so the odds are in your favor so people so basically instead of saying well we're not gonna pay you more to get malpractice insurance for that situation we're instead going to um just give you a free pass problem is free passes like with the doctor because they have to pay malpractice insurance there's an incentive for them to make take every measure to make sure they don't hit those liabilities to be very careful okay that that financial burden plays a role in mitigating you know doctors from being sort of sloppy in the same way it would be more beneficial if there just wasn't immunity um you know and 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 people like lawyers judges and Police did have to get some sort of insurance, and have, they have, and there was some sort of financial cost um, to you know making sure that you are well trained, make sure that you're thinking through is this the right through for you, and then the fear always is okay, then you won't have enough cops, you won't have enough judges, you won't have enough lawyers. Um, but the thing is that we probably don't need as many lawyers, as many judges as we do now, if we only had just laws, if we weren't sitting there fighting these drug wars and having rules and regulations for every little freaking thing, we wouldn't need so many judges, lawyers, and cops that, you know, have getting rid of something like qualified immunity would, would be fine. Yeah, some people will decide, I'm not going to be a cop anymore. We still have enough cops because you don't have so many crimes. They don't have to chase down so many people and punish so many people. Okay, and then also, if you don't have so many crimes, you don't create as many situations where people confront each other, which every time you give a situation for a police to have to confront somebody, you're creating a possibility for a situation to get violent. Not because necessarily the police is violent, but just as the nature of law enforcement. So the more laws you have, the more situations you create, even if they're laws, um, even if they're just simple, simple laws. When you create a laws, you're creating the conditions for these kind of things to happen. Um... So you you want to reassess sort of one, you know, not just the immunity, but also thinking through like what should really be our law system, our, our system of justice be addressing? Like what are what are priorities, you know, should be like, you know, murder, theft, rape, uh, you know, not not people selling loose cigarettes, not, uh, you know, every little thing. And because, again, it creates these confrontations and these confrontations always have the possibility of going south.
Um, so there's a lot of things to reassess regarding the justice system um, that we can do a lot about. Okay, but we need to have a thorough conversation. And hopefully, if you listen to this, you felt like this was a thorough conversation, that you feel like you understand the conversation a little bit better uh, regarding these things and why there is a need to have these conversations. Again, it doesn't mean anyone has to feel guilty. It doesn't mean uh, anyone has to come change their lives or give everything they have to somebody else. But it does mean we should consider being better people, creating a better context for the next generation, rethinking our justice system so that way it can be more just okay um rethinking the incentives that are created particularly in government and government systems where this whole immunity type thing is oftentimes the, the way they compensate um you know for different economic realities um which just exasperates the bad incentives that generally happen in sort of government just by the just by the sheer nature of its monopolistic structure um so I'll leave it at that. Hopefully you guys found this. I mean, I know there's a lot of other stuff I, I wanted to say and can think say, but, you know, always just when you're just talking, you just kind of riff and you say what you say. Um, I'm sure I'll, if I have more to say, I, I will say it, but I'll leave it at that. You guys have a great day. Oh, and actually one, one more thing I will say, though, is just, just so people understand sort of this whole why the phrase all lives matter is offensive. Um... Okay, because this always comes up a lot, you know, it was like, why is, like, I actually saw someone on Twitter, uh, Julia Borowski, also a fairly famous libertarian, uh, she had a good post where, explaining how, when she finally got it, she's like, because she was talking about how, like, she would also kind of have the same reaction when people would say Black Lives Matter, it's like, well, you know, shouldn't all lives matter? And then she said someone, someone added the word to at the end, and then it made more sense, Black Lives Matter too. Now you get the point. The idea is that, yes, we know all lives matter, but up to this point, the way people act as if black lives don't matter. And we're just trying to remind you that black lives matter too. Um, and that, you know, kind of cleared up what the statement is. But at the end of the day, it's at the end of the day, like saying all lives matter is like someone saying, hey, can we have a conversation about X? And then you go, well, let's have a conversation about the alphabet. Um, you know, like that's not the conversation I was trying to have. And it bothers me that you're trying to change the conversation when I came to you to have a conversation about X. Okay, um, that's the that's it's, and then the reason you know it gives the impression that hey, I want to have this serious conversation with you, and you're just trying to change the conversation because you don't want to have the conversation. That's that's sort of the, the context in which people get offensive or offended. Okay, it's not that suddenly you know anyone's life matters more or less. It's just that some people feel like up till now they have mattered less and they want to have a conversation about it. And that's fair. Now, does that mean any everyone on both sides have always practiced fair tactics and strategies and have always made the right moves 100% of the time? No, but it doesn't mean a conversation shouldn't be had. People shouldn't be using people's mistakes or bad optics here and there. Like, again, people who try to use the right as an excuse to evade the conversation. People shouldn't be using imperfection as a reason to not try to get closer to perfection by having these these discussions to understand what's going on in the world a little bit better. So that is, I, I think now I kind of finished saying what I needed to say. Hopefully you guys have a great one. I'll talk to you guys later. Ciao.